Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Marini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. This weekend, Hamas, designated as a terrorist group by Israel, the United States, the European Union, the UK, as well as other powers, launched an unprecedented attack on Israel, with its fighters entering communities near the Gaza Strip, killing hundreds of residents and taking dozens of hostages. While the attack has spawned fears of a wider Middle East war, it is also putting the spotlight on not only Iran's sponsoring of Hamas, but also on Turkey, which has become a sponsor of Hamas in recent years and a major hub of Hamas operations. Expert Sinan Chidi joins me to explore this connection between Turkey and Hamas. Sinan Chidi is a non-resident senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, where he contributes to FDD's Turkey program and Center on Military and Political Power. He's also an associate professor of security studies at the Command and Staff College Marine Corps University and Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. Sinan, always great having you with us. Thanks for joining. Hi, Thanos. Good to be here. Sinan, on Sunday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken tweeted that he had spoken with Turkey's foreign minister, Hakan Fidan, about Hamas's terrorist attack against Israel, saying he encouraged Turkey's advocacy for a ceasefire and the release of hostages. He then deleted the tweet, but not before getting called out over Turkey's ties to Hamas. Has this latest attack put the Ankara-Hamas connection back in the spotlight? It very much has, and the secretary can be forgiven for essentially trying to play a constructive role, but what he should not be forgiven for is the unstaffed, ignorant sort of decision to reach out to Fidan and seek Turkey's assistance for a so-called ceasefire, simply because Fidan himself, way before he was foreign minister, is widely perceived and known to be one of the main architects resulting in Hamas getting headquarters in Turkey that basically still exist to this day. So, you know, the U.S. government should essentially be aware of who it is talking to before sort of looking for cooperative gains to end this conflict. And unfortunately, Minister Fidan himself is not necessarily one of those people. Your colleague, Jonathan Shanzer, was quick to point out Fidan's role in Turkey becoming a haven for Hamas leaders. And he pointed out Saleh al-Aruri, a U.S.-designated terrorist. Why does Ankara continue to allow Hamas to exist in Turkey? So we could approach this from a great variety of angles. But essentially, look, at the very base of this, Erdogan's worldview is one which is historically rooted in Turkey's Islamist movement, which historically sees Israel as an oppressor and the Palestinians as a people that have been oppressed by the Israelis. So Erdogan, for the last 40 years, even before he's this sort of supposedly much more meek and conciliatory president in his international tone, in the last year or so, was vehemently anti-Israeli, vehemently anti-Semitic. And I would basically say that none of those views have changed. In fact, even as recently as 2018, President Erdogan tweeted to Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, saying that, you know, Hamas is not a terrorist organization, it is a national resistance movement, and Hamas is not a terrorist entity, and the people and, and Palestinians are not terrorists. That tweet did not age well, and you know many people have been quick to sort of bring that up. I would also suggest that despite Turkey's decision or desire to normalize ties with Israel, quote-unquote, I don't think anything in Erdogan's mind has actually changed towards Israel. And even if that's in dispute or people want to debate that, this is certainly very visible in Turkey's open actions, right, which still result in Hamas maintaining offices in Turkey. That's not gone anywhere. You've already mentioned one name, Saleh al-Aruri. Not only is he a U.S.-designated terrorist with a $5 million bounty on his head, but it should also be pointed out that he's known as the sort of West Bank chief of Hamas, and he's been known to back and be behind 
and numerous terrorist attacks on Israel historically. And so he is a pretty unsavory character. And he not only carries a residency in Turkey, but he is allegedly to essentially also have a Turkish passport that allows him to travel freely. As does Ismail Haniya, another leader of Hamas, who actively resides in Turkey and may also be one of the masterminds of the deadly attack. In fact, Al Aruri was just seen yesterday on social media basically celebrating and laughing at the killing of hundreds, if not thousands, of Israeli civilians as the attacks were begun to be carried out. So the fact that Turkey continues to harbor these individuals, provide them sanctuary and cover, suggests that even, you know, you can say what you want, whether you think Erdogan's views have changed or not. I don't think they have, and Turkey's actions back that up. You should also be aware, or your listeners should also be aware, uh, that Erdogan went on TV whilst the vast majority of Turkey's Western allies, treaty allies, condemned these attacks and condemned Hamas for being a terrorist entity. Erdogan essentially sort of ambiguously spoke, you know, non-committally, requesting sort of restraint. He asked for restraint as well as, you know, that Turkey stands on the side of the oppressed, which has been his historical line, essentially, for backing Hamas entities. So, well, let's be clear, Turkey is not on the side of Israel or the deadly attacks that took place on civilians just in the last 48 hours. Sinan, just a few weeks ago, you wrote about an operation that saw Israel seize 16 tons of bomb-making material that had originated in Turkey and was destined for Gaza. You know, aside from providing sanctuary to Hamas leaders like Al-Aruri. Is it safe to say the Erdogan government has, you know, along with Iran now, also become a primary source of support for Hamas in terms of material support? Yes, that piece is openly accessible through FDD's website. It was a short piece that we wrote basically highlighting that the Israeli customs authorities had seized 16 tons of explosive material that originated in Turkey and was making its way to Gaza and that this material has been historically used by Hamas to essentially make rockets, several thousand of which were launched against Israel in the last 48 hours, to deadly effect on civilians. To say that the Turkish government is actively participating in this is a stretch for now because we don't have this information in open source, but it does suggest one of two things. One is that either Turkey knew about it explicitly and facilitated this transfer of of raw materials and is directly complicit, or is unaware and or it turned a blind eye, which I'm not sure which one's better, to be honest with you. But given the mounting pre-existing history of the Erdogan government's views on Hamas and Israel, I would not be surprised if further information was revealed in the coming days or weeks or in the future that literally tied or provided, you know, real evidence to suggest that the Turkish government was behind it, simply because that would be in keeping with Erdogan's own sort of historical record and preferences of how he sees the Middle East sort of conflict and, you know, where his sympathies lie. Turkey has said it's ready to play this role of mediator between Israel and Hamas, and you alluded to it earlier. Given what we know, however, about Ankara's links with Hamas, can this offer really be taken seriously? Not to the Israelis. (laughs) You know, look, Turkey's been interested at least since 2022 to break out of its regional isolation, which you and I have talked about before, has sort of reached out an olive branch to Israel to sort of rebuild diplomatic and government-to-government ties, etc., etc. But just given what's happened in Turkey, it's just flat-out opportunity to take advantage of an opportunity to condemn Hamas as a terrorist entity is one thing. If it wanted to be seen as a credible mediator, it should do several things. One, it should shut down Hamas offices in the country, in Turkey, inside Turkey, immediately. Two, it should hand over all of its members or expel them from Turkey. And at three... People like Hania or Al-Aruri 
basically should be extradited to Israel before Turkey can be seen as a legitimate entity in wanting to mediate de-escalation of conflict between Israel and any sort of Palestinian entity, independent or, you know, in concert with Hamas. And listeners should also be aware that Turkey often essentially laments about the world not taking its security concerns, its counterterrorism measures seriously, specifically the PKK, the separatist Kurdish organization in, in and out of Turkey, which has been its main reason for holding up Swedish membership of NATO, if we remember. But Israel was one of the first countries, you know, dating back to the early 1980s for designating PKK as a terrorist entity. And Israeli intelligence has cooperated with Turkish officials over the decades in providing them vital assistance. And at a very human level, every single moment in Turkey's you know, history, and it's some of its darkest hours of humanitarian disaster, Israel has been one of the first countries to step forward and offer humanitarian assistance. And just very recently, with the devastating earthquakes in February this year, Israel dispatched several field hospitals, provided container housing and vast amounts of humanitarian aid to Turkey. You know, Erdogan government's decision not to sort of forcefully condemn Hamas is a missed opportunity at best. And at worst, I think, just continues to show the true colors of an Erdogan government that habitually sides with terrorist entities, unfortunately. Looking beyond Turkey's ties to Israel, is this Turkey-Hamas bromance something that should be sounding alarms in the United States and many of Turkey's other NATO allies? Look, it is an opportunity for the United States as well as its European allies at this point to make very certain demands of Turkey and ask the country and its government not to play and hate both sides. Turkey cannot, on the one hand, decide to side with or maintain or provide cover for Hamas, while on the other, expecting its allies and partners to essentially back its counterterrorism measures. If the United States and Europe have credible sources of intelligence showing Turkish companies independently shipping raw materials, etc., etc., to terrorist entities like Hamas, they can provide that to Turkey and demand action or basically slap them down with secondary sanctions, but at least make the public aware. I think this single event of Hamas attacks on Israel really has drawn another line in the sand for Turkey to sort of declare where it stands on the map. It cannot basically play both sides and expect everybody to turn a blind eye. Um, I think everybody's frustrated. You know, either Turkey stands on the camp with Iran and other rogue powers and Hezbollah and its proxies to essentially undermine a key U.S. ally, a treaty ally of the United States, as well as Turkey, which on paper is a nominal ally. Or it can actually, you know, stand in concert with its historical allies and make a point of it. Otherwise, Turkey is going to continue to be seen as a pariah and an assisting member of terrorist countries and terrorist entities. Sinan, it's always great chatting with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thanos. In other news, tourists visiting the Acropolis can now pinch and zoom their way around the site with their smartphones, with a digital overlay showing how it once looked. That includes a collection of marble sculptures removed from the Parthenon more than 200 years ago that are now on display at the British Museum in London. Greece has demanded their return. Other less widely known features also appear. Many of the sculptures on the Acropolis were painted in striking colors. The app uses augmented reality to replace the ancient impression of the site onto the screen, matching the real world view as you walk around. Culture Minister Lina Mendoni said such innovations in AI would boost accessibility to Greece's ancient monuments overall. Finally, it will take next Sunday's runoff in the regional and municipal contest to determine whether Prime Minister Mitsotakis will achieve his ambitious goal of 13-3, and three, that is, winning all 13 regions and the three biggest cities, Athens, Thessaloniki, and Piraeus. What the first round showed is that New Democracy's domination of the political landscape, established in the national elections this year, 
has hardly been dented, even as its second term in government was marked by natural disasters where the state's response was often criticized. The opposition merged fragmented, and cities on Pasok mostly fought among themselves for second place and primacy among the left-of-center electorate. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.